I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The Treehouse, episode 26. Yo, heave o! <laughs> With Danny Baker <laughs> and me, Louise Pepper. It, Come I, on then, I, I, you I, tried I, coaching. No, no, me. no. It's, I didn't. It's not about coaching. It is an odd thing to say, but it's it's just a simple yo heave o. You see, and and and, and, the, and the strength you gave to it, I think, may have made it collapse. <laughs> yo heave o. It, it sounded like something. I don't know. Fifty Cent might have. <laughs> Introduced his album. I with. was trying to sound like a <laughs> it, Russian, whatever you said it no, was. No, yeah, uh, uh, we don't usually let daylight in upon the rather cryptic um, descriptions of the show, but <laughs> Yo Hevo, uh, for per- people of mature years, will take them back to the Volga boat song and when the Russians used to drag, drag uh, their canal boats along by ropes. They would sing, and I'll just stop the music here. They would go, yo, heave, oh. And I may have done that. It may have influenced you. I sang it, didn't I? <laughs> That's the mistake I made. Um, anyway, the show is called Yo, Hevo, and you'll never hear from that again. Uh, so um, the next one will be called Buildy, 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 Buildy. <laughs> You're going to write that down because we'll never remember. <laughs> Long-time listeners may recognise that, but I apologise for immediately alienating the audience, oh. possibly. We weren't planning to do that for three or four minutes. Uh, but uh, uh, welcome aboard, everyone. Here we go again. Another two hours of fun for old and young. I don't know why I put the young on there, <laughs> but uh, uh, without the slightest hint of vulgarity. Now, um, I'm going to ask you this. Uh, there's a pop reference in it. Oh, OK. Kind of, and it, it's, it's quiz time. Straight oh! At the top of the show, quiz time. Lovely. Who were Joan, Margaret, Richard, Edmund and Gilbert? Joan, Margaret, Richard, Edmund and Gilbert. Joan, Margaret, Edmund, Richard. It's not The Secret Seven. No, it's not The Secret Seven. Joan, Margaret, Richard, Edmund and Gilbert. They weren't the ones that... Two of those directly influenced the name of a pop song. There's a great clue. Pop, pop group, not pop song. Give me them song. again. Joan? Joan, Margaret, Richard, Edmund and Gilbert. You see, if we were, if we were uh, had, like, a, a, a phalanx of phones, they'd be going clack, clack, clack now. We wouldn't have to say, like, you know, local radio does. All oh, the phone lines are in meltdown. They would be. They really would be. Wouldn't have to make it up. It's impossible, Peps. I know. No. I, I appreciate having a go on it. Joan, Margaret, Richard, Edmund and Gilbert. The Typhoon Monkeys. No, PG Tips. 
<laughs> no, they're not. Those are the names of Shakespeare's brothers and sisters. Now, did you know Shakespeare had a huge family? And, of course, the, the pop reference being that two of them are Shakespeare's sister. So there you go. But Joan, and, and it, it's Joan's birthday today. I didn't know Joan was a, as a name. I know. Was that old? Well, Joan of Arc, be fair. Yeah, idiot. Was her name Joan? Or was, was it Edmund? Jean- yeah, it can't have been Joan. No. Joan? Joan, soldiers are here. No, it doesn't sound right. Soldiers are here, Joan. It, don't, it, it can't have been Joan. Was it? My sister's middle name is Joan. Nothing wrong being called Joan. It's just not very Shakespearean. No, it isn't. I mean, he didn't put her in any of his plays, did he? No, he put Richard in one. Mm. You know, he put Richard, but there's no the adventures of Joan and Margaret. Didn't he have a kid called Ham? Yes, he did. Mm. Yes, he did. He had a kid called Ham. Uh, a tremendous Ham he was as well, apparently. <laughs> uh, but so there you go. There's, there's, uh, there's that. Well, it's Joan's. He had two two sisters called Joan, if you don't mind. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a it's a shame, but he um uh the elder Joan died before he was born, and so the parents are given another daughter. Said you can be Joan yeah, now. We like that name. Yeah, we like that Stick name. Stick with it. Now remember the two of them. Think now, a lot. Of that we're went not on. um a historic show, not really. Uh, but when, when something like it pops up, I, I had to bring it to you. But the thing below that. I was reading, I'll be honest with you, I was reading the quiz from 1978. <laughs> You're of my birth. I was, I was. There was this book, there was this book, 1978, and he had a quiz in it. And I looked at it, and a few of them, I kind of got that. But then it said, who are they? And I thought, oh, I'm nicking that. Mm. I didn't know. Because, like, uh, Angela and Edmund, and Angela, Edmund, I think it's Patricia, are Hitler's brothers and sisters. Oh. So Edmund crosses over with those. I, used it, I thought for a second, is it that? And then no. But then it said... What do the letters in the in the word mafia stand for? I didn't know it was an acronym. I didn't know so it's a mafia. I you thought, know, it was I a... thought a word meaning the mob, the gang, mm. or something. No, it stands for Morta alla Francia Italia Anella. Death to death to the French, French is Italy's cry. Death to the French is Italy's cry. That's what mafia means. <laughs> so then, you know, 1987. They were, How about this one? Then we'll start the show. Mm-hmm. We will start the show. Iran, formerly known as... Persia. But formerly known as... Before it was Persia, what was it? it again, this is the thing, 1978 quiz book. I shouldn't have said that. I should have said I, I came up with these. But it doesn't matter. Uh, They're not you got, the Byzantine no, or something. No, you've got, you got Iran, formerly known as Persia. Uh-huh. But before it was Persia, what was it? Well, Istanbul was Constantinople. Oh, we know that. I've got the song ready to go if we had any kind of copyright. And believe me, we're still chasing, you know, it's Bernie. Um, I don't know. I was proud of myself for knowing the Persia bit, so... Iran, formerly known as Persia, formerly known as Iran. That is the name of the country. How about that? How about that? Countries that changed their name. Terrific. Yeah, it was... That's it. Once once the old peacock throne was out of there, they said, that's your whack. That... Is your whack uh, in, in Persian or Iranian? I didn't know that. Persia was originally called Iran, and they reinstated it. I think that's a tremendous thing. So uh, we, we can start the show sort of around now. What are we doing today, Peps? Number one. When children pack their own case. We need more of those. We need loads so. of did, did You started this, didn't you? I think... Well, it was at the old place. Yes. <laughs> the, the old place. If I like the House of Commons, can't mention Lords. <laughs> <laughs> yes, in the other place. <laughs> um, no, 
I think it was someone just sent in a picture of what their kid had, had packed, didn't they? And it was literally like it was three just a, footballs and a teddy. It was a tremendous thing. It was a tre- yeah, because uh, Sonny, all of, anyone who's got you know, young kids knows when you go on holiday and you give them a backpack particularly, they fill it with dinosaurs. The boys, you know, Sonny used to fill it with dinosaurs, uh, enormous hardback books, and, and, and then it'd sit in the corner of the hotel room, yes. never be looked at, never be looked at. Uh, the, the, the girls, I'm going to gender this, they took every single... Barbie, Polly Pocket, oh, yeah. absolutely never on zip. Ward off boredom. I kept saying, we're going to Disney World. <laughs> you don't need to take all of the brats. You don't need to take that many brats. <laughs> we're going to Disney World. Uh, but they would, and uh, who humped them all about? Carry on. We'll... Number two, what did you later find out about your neighbours? Uh-huh. No- number three, minor local pop festivals. Mm. And number four, ever collected a reward? Ever collected a reward? You know, I don't know anyone who has collected a reward. I think when I was little, I found a purse and I handed it in at the police station. And no one collected it, so they. And they I, gave... I, th- I, th- I think it was like a fiver in it or a something. Fiver? Come on. Yeah. A little pink purse. And uh, and uh, uh, the the, uh, the other thing like that is, is wills. I don't, I've never known anyone to be left anything. Oh, I've never been to a reading of a no, will. No, I don't believe they exist, apart from films. I've never known anyone to be left anything in a will. My, my, what was quite nice is when my great aunt died, after whom I'm named, uh, who was a nun. Oh, um, oh, I'll go back again. Sister Louise. Yeah. Which we only found out at the funeral. She died at age 94, 95, and she was still working as a nun. We only found out at the funeral that her actual name is Nora, so I should have been called Nora. Oh. But Louise was the name she chose as her nun name. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we went to the funeral in Dublin, and then the sisters sort of opened her little cell, isn't it? You know, with her yes, little it room. Is, like, went, an, like an anchorite. If you'd like to all go in and take something of her small sort of possessions mm. to remember her by. Well, that, it was all, you know, there's about 10 of you in the room, and we're oh. all related, you know. Is oh, it a bit like, oh, but, yeah, that gold oh, watch. That, that gold I watch. did get given her watch. It's did only you? a little well Seiko, done. but they all said you're the namesake, so you should have her watch. As it was the oh, I felt there's one. Oh, of, I felt the one pressure. One of the great old editions of uh, Till Death Us Two Part, and I think it's um, Joan Sims who played the really old great mm. aunt in it, uh, grandma or whatever. When she's on her last knockings in bed, uh, he turns up and he's only got his eye on her antique gold watch, and she hasn't even expired yet. He picks it up and puts it in the pocket, his pocket, and of course she. Rallies, and Dandy Nichols finds it, and all the family find it. Uni Stubbs and everyone—they all find it. You, you were nicking her watch. No, I wasn't. I wasn't. He said I was. I was, I was safe keeping it before the vultures got here. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what you did, Pep. You. I. It was. It was pressed upon me. Yeah, I thought it was. Uh, but anyone who's been in a will, uh, been left anything in a will, or indeed had a reward, we would love to hear from you on the next show. And it's uh, the Treehouse at somethingelse.com if you want to email us. Well, what else is uh, that's a lot. No. But I can give you <laughs> drum coming. I can give you. Don't talk to me about bad secret keepers. Oh, what you got Go from on. our last one? This is mm-hmm. from Tony. Two years ago, I reached the grand old age of fifty. Seems like only yesterday. My dad was that age, but mm-hmm. anyway, my sister-in-law was fifty the previous year, and we'd all gone away for a surprise holes for hers. So I was in no doubt it would be the same for me. My birthday is late December. June the 12th, my mother-in-law sends me by text a complete itinerary for an Icelandic holiday for five. (laughs) I sent it back to her with a question mark and kept quiet to keep it a secret from my wife, who I know would have been distraught that the secret was out. Three weeks after this, my mother-in-law phoned my wife while we were driving with the mobile on loudspeaker. 
She had been under strict instruction to have no telephonic conversations about the secret. She started the conversation, I've booked Iceland. <laughs> he's got to pretend he's not hearing yep. any of this. Just yet. before Christmas, she said, oh, let's not go too mad for Christmas. We're all going to Iceland. <laughs> By the way, we went to Iceland for New Year for my 50th birthday. <laughs> oh, my brother-in-law and another friend also told me. So actually five times five I was Five times. Told. That is so far is the uh, worst <laughs> secret keeper. Uh, how about this? This is I don't know what this is, but uh, this percent was by our friend Jonathan. Uh, when I was seven, I sent Vera Lynn flying. <laughs> <laughs> That's how to open an email. That will get our attention. When I was seven, I sent Vera Lim flying. We were staying at a hotel in Jersey. To add insult to injury, at the time, I was wet through and wearing my swimming trunks as I rushed back to our room to change, leaving a damp nation sweetheart in my wake. Have we done it? You're knocked over. I don't know, but I'm glad we got this. Secondly, when I was five years old, I was taken to Westminster Theatre to see The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe. In the interval, I was pushed back by a lady in a leather jumpsuit as she bent over to talk to her son, trapped between her seat and the chair for a good minute until she stood upright and moved on. My t- parents tell me that lady was Lulu. So celebrities got her own back then. Ah. Lulu uh, uh, was unaware. Was this our not knowing who you were meeting, maybe? Well, he, he met Vera Lynn, that's for sure. And, and that's uh, that, that was the salient point of that. The leather jumpsuit don't... suited Lulu. He came running back to a hotel in Jersey, legging it down the corridor, and then, and it, I wished he'd done it twice because they'd have met again, as she always <laughs> predicted. But he, um, uh, there's a tremendous email from our friend Jonathan. Now, this may be... Email of the day. We don't know. We don't know. We work our way through. We work our way through this pile. Um, here we go. This is a. Uh, this is about. Um, an- well, it's just about animals. It's about ducks. It's a. Tr- oh. it's, it's, I'm saying it's the absolute premier duck story we've ever received. Oh, uh, and I, I think I'll be born out on this. Here we go. Uh, here we go. So. What is chickens? Isn't it? That's chicken. Oh. No, that's chickens again, isn't it? Mm. Mm. Well, we'll around the farm. Maybe we live with find. chickens for a bit. Okay. They're very closely related, I think. But back in the dinosaur days, they all came from the same genus. They all come from the same genus. So anyway, here we go. <clears throat> this is from uh, Gary. We bought an old farm as a holiday home in Devon. Had a few acres and several ponds, one of which was badly clogged up with duckweed. A local wildlife consultant we employed gave us his recommendation, which I would summarise as, buy some ducks. (laughs) He recommended call ducks, small white ducks who are known to attract other ducks with their call. Ah, this is where it comes in handy. <laughs> he recommended call ducks, small white ducks who are known to attract other ducks with their call. This way, they would attract more ducks to the large pond and eat more of the duckweed. We bought six and installed them over. We bought six and installed them in an expensive duck house on the pond. Call ducks are apparently quite tasty because two disappeared that night. Oh, as we are oh, no, no, sorry, kids. <laughs> As we were down inspecting the remaining ducks, amongst the feathers, a group of wild mallards suddenly flew overhead. Our ducks quacked loudly at these mallards flying above us, and the call ducks abruptly promptly flew off and joined them, never to return. <laughs> so there go the other four. OK, all right, never to return. At this point, we received alternative advice to purchase Peking runner ducks. These are flightless and also produce an extraordinary number of eggs, up to 300 a year. 
These eggs are very, very tasty, we were told. We bought six ducks and installed fencing around the whole pond area to provide a level of fox security that, frankly, Starleg 17 would have been proud of, <laughs> albeit at a substantial cost. This worked well, although we got no eggs. So I checked with our consultant and he said, well, you've got all males, you should ask for female ducks. Now, the, in my defence, the sexes of Peking runner ducks are indistinguishable from each other. We went back and bought six more ducks, this time specifically asking for female. Introducing them to the males did not go well, because apparently one male to six female ducks is the maximum ratio in a captive environment. After a couple of days, the females had been almost pecked of their feathers. They'd been half-drowned and, to be frank, almost bonked to death by the aggressive, randy male ducks who had been deprived of female attention until that point. We decided to move the females quickly to a smaller pond nearby, temporarily surrounding them with high-voltage electric fencing that we use for our ponies. They settled in quickly, but we were within scent and sound of the deprived males, who quickly realised what they were missing. Although incapable of flight, somehow, in the manner of Rocky the Rooster in Chicken Run, four of them managed to bound and clamber over the security fencing and charge down to the female enclosure. Designed to keep ponies out, the electric fence was more than a match for them. After a few minutes of sparking and crackling, there was a distinct smell of roast duck and slight smoking on the fence oh. where their feathers lay. <laughs> we belatedly discovered they don't actually like duckweed either. <laughs> so we rehoused the six female ducks into yet another security compound on the third floor third <laughs> pond next to the house, together with the last male. The fifth had died, unfortunately, when I backed the Land Rover over him. Oh. Anyway, I'm pleased to say that they are finally happy and producing eggs, albeit at a significant expense, and there's been absolutely no reduction in the duckweed. Now, that... I, I'm sorry if I you know, stumbled and fell over two, three parts of it, but that was it. That, that, if I don't originate out into the feel-good movie of the year, I don't know what. The fe- on top of that, the fella must be loaded. Oh, yes. I know, with all due respect to uh, uh, Gary there... We'll buy six more. We'll put, we'll put an electric fence around it. But now we'll buy another six. All to save, what, two quid on a six pack of eggs? My favourite bit in that is uh, if you buy these ducks, their call attracts other ducks. <laughs> they put them on the pond, some other ducks fly over the top and they all fly off after Quick, them. Come are you! <laughs> two of our mates are dead! That that was an absolutely stupendous oh. email. Uh, abs- uh, my duck sound effects, I hope, heightened it. A hand Ah, that must be an advert. Also from something else. Mel Gedroich is quilting. Listen to Mel and good friend Andy Bush as they learn a great new skill and tell some brilliant stories, all whilst having some good, wholesome fun. In a nutshell, I took a pair of scissors and I went into my husband's wardrobe. Now, this comes from a shirt that I bought him that I know he doesn't like. So I'm testing him by... Uh, uh, This is brilliant. Yeah, by finding out when he discovers that the shirt has got a big patch out of the back of it. Wow, and which area of the shirt is this taken from? Bottom right. Okay. (laughs) Listen now in Apple Podcasts, Spotify and all good podcast apps.
And we're back again. Uh, what you got over there, Peps? Uh, this is Nigel, who uh, apparently is the erstwhile king of slapstick from the original Treehouse. Oh. Uh, affecting a tick. Oh, but see, that, that, that to me is so tempting. What, I must have given him that the title. <laughs> I must have gifted him that title. Uh, I wonder why he was the erstwhile king of slapstick. <laughs> Always remind us, because there's been one or two shows <laughs> in the interim. Detail, Nigel. Uh, what is it? Uh, I'm emailing with a story about the time I had to affect a tick. I'm afraid there's no way around the fact that the story revolves around what can only be described as a bogey. That's the most... And while unsavoury... How much is there It's not very detailed. I was working as an IT manager of a department in a university in the northeast, and before an inaugural meeting of a working group, I was sitting at my office desk absentmindedly squashing my nose. (laughs) Brackets. Not picking it, my nose can squash completely flat. I like people like that. And it's a pleasing diversion when I'm concentrating. It is. is Tremendous. Suddenly a strange man appeared at my office doorway and engaged me in conversation, and in the split second I shifted my focus to him, I noticed a foreign object in my periphery on the bridge of my nose, which I identified as the aforementioned. My hand went up to my nose to corral it and it had disappeared from view. But then I couldn't find it. Where had it gone? In the long few moments while I dithered, the man at the door had stopped talking with an expression that said he was awaiting some kind of response. I was so preoccupied in hunting down the errant bogey, I must have appeared totally blank. Suddenly aware of, the, aware of the awkward atmosphere, I invited him in and pulled up a chair. I was still, however, painfully aware a bogey was on the loose. <laughs> oh, no. So as we chatted, I kept periodically sweeping my hand across my face to locate it. <laughs> however, my responses are now bordering on the embarrassing, and this visiting lecture was nonplussed. So I wrote it off and concentrated on the conversation. Uh-huh. However, now that the lecturer had my full attention, the problem was that this seemingly normal behaviour through previous weirdness into stark relief. I started to wonder how I could mitigate this. That's when I had the idea of a tick. So while now lucid, I started to punctuate comments with spasmodic gestures of my right hand across my face and kept it up for the remaining five to ten minutes of our chat. The problem is, we were now on nodding terms and I was thus doomed to spend the rest of my time in that job trying to affect a phantom tick every time we crossed paths. In this day, you cannot draw attention to this. We're not in the era of Alf Hippititimus. Alf Hippititimus? Oh, I can't. I forget sometimes I'm working with uh, a, a, a mere child. Alfie Petitimus. It's Jack Douglas's character. Hey. Oh, I know that bit. Well, that's Alfie Petitimus. Oh, OK. Three hips, a pip and a titimus, you should say. It was good. Yes, it was. I used to have, a, you see, when we get licensed for dancing here, I used to have his singly made way down upon the Swanee River. I used okay, to play, yes, I used yes. to play quite a bit. Uh, yeah. Um, he, what he does with the word way, it's, it's absolutely, this is, it makes, you know, Pavarotti look like a lot of fuss about nothing. If you've ever heard, I think it might be on YouTube, Alf Epitetimus, as played by Jack Douglas, doing way down upon the Swanee River. Anyway, that was an absolutely tremendous, tremendous email. This one is uh, from Jim, the poshest thing he has ever seen. Oh, okay, now, here we go. this is high pressure. I woke one Sunday morning a year ago and I had a bit of a morning head, I won't lie to you. My wife told me in commanding voice that I needed to provide breakfast for the kids. Upon inspection of the fridge, there were no supplies, so off I went to the local supermarket. Being a Sunday, I arrived just before it opened, so I rested up on a nearby bench, taking in the fresh air, hoping it would have a restorative effect. A couple of minutes later, I could hear the clippity-clop of hooves on tarmac. Hooves. 
Sure enough, from around the corner appeared a majestic beast with a fully appointed rider on top. Hard hat, jodpers, the lot. She proceeded to trot up to the front door of the store, dismount, tie up the horse to the railings, and then in she went. Moments later, she came out with a small bag of shopping, remounted the beast and trotted off. Riding a horse to the grocery store. That is the poshest thing I ever saw. <laughs> Thank you very much. That goes straight into the file. Uh, one more from you, Peps. Oh, well, we've got Tony on the line. Hey, our friend Tony. Hey, Tony. Good morning. Hi, hi. Uh, hi, hi to you, Tony. Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, I, I, I'm not going to lie to people here, Tony, because I, I rarely do that. Let me put that another way. I lie like an actor most of the time. <laughs> but um, uh, uh, you, you're our first call on the show, but you're our second. We've had to cut out a poor fellow called Dave earlier, whose line was so bad, uh, and we did him three times. So we're looking at your call now to save everything. <laughs> Everything. Uh, no pressure. Uh, no, honestly, we're, we're looking down at the runway. We've got some burning bonfires there trying to bring us in on a wing and a prayer. Uh, so what have you got for us, my friend? Uh, well, it only very loosely fits in a category. Of, oh, uh, probably who would want to steal that? Yeah. It veers off. Uh, uh, many, many years ago, I was uh, staying at uh, uh, my then-girlfriend's house, at her parents' house. Mm-hmm. And uh, Sunday morning, we had a lot of excitement, a lot of shouting outside. So poked our heads out the window. A uh, lot of neighbours standing around, and uh, her mum turns around and shouts, um, we've had our washing line still, and the whole village has been done. Uh Turns out it was only about four or five houses. But but four, was, four, or five, oh, four or five oh. is plenty. This is Arnold Lane writ large. <laughs> just the shopping line, nothing on it, just the shopping line. Just, just the lines, yeah. The, yeah. the shopping so, line, the, the, the washing line, just the washing lines. Are, okay, continue. Yeah. So lots of excitement. Uh, we had a bit of a chuckle at how seriously they were all taking it. It was, uh, I, I don't think anything quite that exciting had happened in the village for a while. Sorry, Tony, to what um, Can pets. we clarify a washing line, you know, one end of the garden to the other, or a whirly gig? Thing. No washing lines. Okay, good clarification because that is an important point. It, it for the is, rest of the story. It, it, but it is because <laughs> if he's selling them, it literally is money for old rope. Hey! There you go. Thank you very much. Thank you. At last, the show's recovered. Uh, uh, so there it is. This this uh, scandal in the village. Yep. So then about 20 minutes later, we had a bit more of a, a commotion going off, stuck our heads out the window again, and it turns out somebody had uh, potentially spotted them at the bottom in some wasteland behind the fence, <laughs> lots of people clambering over yeah. to get them. Uh, with, with again, a great intensity. I reckon they would have pushed Lord Lucan out the way to get get to these washing lines at the end. Uh-huh. They all... But then they come back, clambering up, and I can uh, remember her mum looking up and holding this washing line aloft with this massive look of triumph on her face, like she'd won the World Cup or something, and holding it up. <laughs> Lots of great things. And uh, they also they all divvied up whose washing line was who and went back to putting it up. Now, they just uh, to continue there, to decide whose yeah. washing line is <laughs> yes. who. Oh, yeah. I know. Yeah. You would say that, you. You want the good one, don't you? That's mine, thanks. <laughs> I can imagine the bartering that went on there. Uh, oh, yeah. Did the mystery ever get solved? Uh, we don't know who took them. Uh, I presume it was just somebody coming back from the pub and a bit bored and uh, <laughs> nothing better to do. Yeah, that subject in itself, I used to do years ago, uh, things you have taken while drunk. Now, this sounds <laughs> terrible. It, it, does sound, it does sound, you know, not the kind of thing we'd normally do. But uh, uh, I used to... Uh, I dare say, how old are you, by the way, Dave? Uh, 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 
55. You're 55, Tony. Yeah. Uh, you're 55. Did you ever take on the um, uh, the paraffin street lamps that used to be around roadworks as you came down, <laughs> as, you, as you came back from pubs? Did you ever do that? <laughs> Never have done. Oh, seen, seen they, them they were irresistible. Those. Wake up. Crop in my first flat. Was it? Yeah, skip light. Uh, but it not, flashed. No, the, 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 my mind wasn't paraffin. Mine was the, the one these, that has a battery. They had a hook on the top, metal. Sorry, Tony, just it led me down yep. there. They had a hook on the top, and they begged to be picked up. Like they were lanterns, basically, in the sixties and seventies. Stink the ass out. <laughs> Me mum would get up and go, "Oh, stop bringing them pissing things home." That's what she'd say. Uh, and I did. I could. My brother. Sorry, Tony, we'll continue with it. My brother once and his mates, uh, you know the temporary bus stops with the great big concrete base on them? I didn't know. Yeah. yeah. There was one of those in Jamaica Road, so they could, found they could roll it, if they pulled it mm. one side, they could roll it along like a big concrete wheel. And they did this for some time uh, until they thought, what should we do with it? And there was a block of flats there, a uh, high-rise block of flats. So they got in the lift with it and they went up to like the, the 15th floor, got out and put it outside one of the doors and then went off again. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and I don't know what the people who own that flat, when they opened their door in the morning to go to work, we saw a bus stop there. And I, I like to think there were four or five people standing at it, <laughs> looking at their watches. But anyway, I, I, I'm sorry. Now, does the story end there with the mystery of the washing no, no. lines? Go on. No, no. Go on. So then it was uh, back to putting them putting them up on the poles. And uh, I watched as a dad tied one end and strode confidently across the uh, across the garden. And then he, he pulled up short because it was about a foot short mm-hmm. uh, of, of, of reaching the other side of the pole. Oh. So he was uh, started yeah. to loudly shouting and swearing about how they'd cut it short. <laughs> so, but then, then he, he put a good 10, 15 minutes effort into trying to make it fit, <laughs> trying to stretch it. <laughs> and then he had, he had somebody holding it while he tried to push the pole towards it, which would have been a well impressive feat. <laughs> and then as he's doing as he's doing that, the neighbour shouts, Oh, they're stretched hours. Oh! And as we looked it over <laughs> There's this big sagging washing line in between these two poles, which were, to me, noticeably closer together than uh, my girlfriend's parents' ones. Oh, so they, they had a conversation about why would anybody do that to them, and then uh, but they came up with the perfect solution. Out came the scissors, cut off oh, the no, line, and tied no. it to the end. You, I can't <laughs> buy it. I cannot genuinely. Tony, the greatest piece of writing in the history of all literature is a P.G. Woodhouse short story called The Amazing Hat Mystery. And it is based pretty much on the principles you've given there. But even the clods and and simpletons involved in that story did not reach a climax as your people did. They, they genuinely did. They, that, that washing line had a knot in it for, for a long, long time. Oh, and they, they were mystified how one had arrived back too short and the other too long. Oh, <laughs> completely. Oh, oh, totally. Obviously, it just been done to wind them up. Totally. Uh, oh. Absolutely. Uh, and you know what? I'm I'm buying it. I, yeah. I'm in the shop. I'm in the I'm in the anecdote shop, and I've gone along. I said, "I'll take that." <laughs> Other people Marvelous. wouldn't have it. Well, bless you, my friend, and thank you. Loud and clear. Tony. That's how it is. Yeah. Earlier on, we had somebody uh, a tremendous story about. Uh, doesn't sound it about reinforced doors. <laughs>
but we had to edit it out because it went down halfway through and uh, well, we did that on the last show, left it in. We don't want it to be a regular feature. What you got there, Peps? Um, this is from Ian. It's about blue bottles. Oh, well, he says we blue bottle singular. OK. So catching up with your tale of blue bottles, mm. which we won't get back into, no. but all coming up from the floorboards. Mm. I thought you might like to hear the tale from a few weeks ago of my battle with one blue bottle. Uh. Getting in from work a few weeks ago, I said hello to my beloved Debbie, who was busy in the kitchen cooking tea with a small glass of sherry to warm her up. <laughs> While she was slaving over the hot stove, I went upstairs to have a quick shower. Whilst toweling myself down in the bedroom, out of nowhere, I was buzzed by a blue bottle. A blue bottle in the middle of February. Chase After chasing it round the bedroom, trying to whack it with a towel, I managed to chase it out onto the landing. Quickly throwing on some clothes and sliding out of the bedroom, barely opening at the door, I could then not locate the blue bottle. Settling down to dinner, we were both buzzed by the blue bottle. <laughs> right down between the middle of us and then resting on the windowsill. Stealthily, I went for our electric bat from the cupboard under the stairs. And doing my best impersonation of a silent killer slash Roger Federer, I brought the bat swiftly down and heard a satisfying crackle. 30 minutes later, watching TV, it landed on top of the telly. <laughs> <laughs> I had by now given up on the hunt and went to the kitchen to rearrange and reload the dishwasher. Picking up my wife's sherry glass, or Debbie's sherry glass, I should say, it doesn't say wife, I glanced there was a mouthful left and thought to myself, how long's it been since no, I last tried no. sherry? I'm not having this if this Without happens. further thought, I poured it into my mouth and immediately thought, oh, a wife. My wife left that, there's sediment. When I no. spat it back in the glass, there was no. the blue bottle. I can sympathise with it. In, in the middle of, uh, I'm sorry we're getting down this alleyway. I did it in the middle of the night once. I always take at least a glass of water oh, yeah, up to bed. bed. Yeah, same thing there. Same thing there. I, I thought, oh, the, a piece of popcorn must have been. I won't do it. Oh, we've, we, we we've can't really, do that. We've really uh, got a, a beautiful show. story, by the way. Thank you very much indeed. That leads on from the other weeks about uh, uh, various cups of blue bottle disgusting. <laughs> so, this is uh, Phil. This is great. This is getting locked in or getting stuck. I tell you whose birthday is today. Hmm. Oh, oh, it's the oh. If I don't do it, doesn't matter, does it? I'll do it on Friday. But okay. there's this fella who was. Uh, uh, there's a film with them. The one, the last film Marlon Brando made. It wasn't called The Gourmet, but he became this fella who would eat anything. Oh. Let me. Shall I see him find it? Yeah, it's yeah. worth doing. I, I, there's no. We're down a call. We're, we're down a call. Maybe this will I'll fill in the great hole in the ground. How about this? This is um, this is extraordinary. How about this? Here we go. What was his name? Francis Buckland. Mm -hmm. I happen to have found it. Francis Buckland. It starts with a bit of backstory, to say the least. How about this? Francis Buckland is his birthday today. Now, whether you approve of him or not, you, you can get your own mind up. During the French Revolution, as the country collapsed into anarchy, Louis XIV's tomb was raided and parts of his body were stolen, Ooh. including his embalmed heart. It was eventually purchased by an English nobleman called Lord Harcourt. Harcourt sold it to the Reverend William Buckland, Dean of Westminster Cathedral. When Buckland died in 1856, the heart was passed on to his son, Francis. Francis was a peculiar man. He believed that the way to assure national security was to make England completely food sufficient, and the best way to do this was to raise and eat exotic animals. How exotic? 
Over time, Buckland graduated from eating ostrich and buffalo to more unusual fare, moles, flies, slugs, porpoise heads. He eventually decided that even the King of France himself was fair game as a protein oh. source. So one night, he cooked up the royal heart and he ate it. Never before, he told an astonished diner, has anybody eaten the heart of a king. Now, if that hasn't suddenly made the show go, what? Huh? True this is story. how we ended up in the trouble we're in now. At the heart of a king. Yes, it is. But it ate the heart of a king. Now, look at me. The look at me. Look at me, Pep. Not even fresh. If, 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 I think the state of the heart is immaterial. But if he'd have taken a sliver and leant over with a silver pronged fork and said, Would you? Would you say, I've, yes, she's nodding her head, everyone. You You'd would. have to. You'd have to. And everyone's saying, oh, come, this is cannibalism. It well, is cannibalism. We put, are actually put, talking about cannibalism. Put some niceties to one side here. Because on, 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 a, you know, on a show where we've had technical difficulties, I hope nobody knows about this, if, if you could look at uh, whoever you're with, you may be interviewing some dreary politician and everything goes down and your notes have gone. If you look at him and go, do I look unusual to you? No, not really. I have eaten the heart of a king. Oh, suddenly you're playing a game of poker there. <laughs> Going round a table, people saying, I mean, I've had a, a, a friends who have eaten candles and, and unusual oh. things. Yes, they have, you know, blokes being drunk and betting on things and that. But to get to you and you say, I have eaten the heart of a king. How about that, everyone? What you got over there, Peps? <laughs> From Liz, animals trying to get in. <laughs> My husband and I bought our first house. There was a ginger cat who consistently tried to get in. It lived on the same road but would sit on our front doorstep waiting to be let in. I became pretty accomplished at darting in and out of our house as the cat would see me returning home and try to get in the house then. After a few months of this, I happened to speak to the owners of the cat while they were trying to coax him out from under our car. <laughs> it turns out the previous owners of our house had a dog and the cat, Tigger, was best friends with the dog and would often hang out together. Oh. Tigger had become used to being let in and did not appreciate that his best friend had moved. Some months later, having just gone to bed, we heard a noise upstairs in the house. My husband got up to investigate and turned on some lights and a few minutes later, Tigger darted past and jumped out out of the window from whence he came. <laughs> After this, he never tried to come round our house again. Oh. He'd obviously looked around, realised his friend wasn't there and knew he didn't need to bother <laughs> anymore. Beautiful story. That kind of thing, you know, where uh, uh, our four-leggers get uh, stuck or incarcerated mm. can only be followed, probably this is the last one of today, uh, by uh, uh, someone getting locked in or out and it's a little boy and this is an absolute beaut and it kind of goes with the uh, music we've got behind us here. Uh, this is uh, from Phil. I have a story of getting locked in. When I was approximately seven years old, we had a trip down to Brighton, which at the time seemed like a momentous journey, as we didn't have a car, and everywhere outside a five-mile radius, radius of our house was exciting. We were walking along one of Brighton's two piers, I can't remember which one, and I spotted a revolving door. This is the point I like it. Uh, now, it was great fun to be had going round and round in a revolving door. Maybe my childhood was a bit sheltered. So I, I spot this one and ran towards it. Now, he's absolutely right there. To mm. this day, going round in a revolving door. Uh, if you go into Selfridges in London or whatever department store you have... Those Selfridges ones are really hard. 
Well, <laughs> just to give him a real heft. Yeah, a lot of heft. But as an adult, you can't go round again. No. You can't do that. And everybody wants to go round again. Nobody wants to get chucked out just at the, at the point of, you know, sense. You'd want to go round and... Yeah. Similarly, you want to go faster and faster and faster. Now, this is what attracted our seven-year-old here. OK. I could see there was a sign that said, Close, do not enter. But this did not deter me. I didn't want to enter the building. I just wanted to go round and round in the revolving door a few times. <laughs> I ignored the shouts of my mother telling me to read the sign, but just carried on. Just wait if she saw me spinning as fast as I could. Then we'd have some fun. This door was more of a sort of large metal turnstile, if I'm honest. Needless to say, in I went. It revolved about half a turn and locked. <gasps> Continued not to go round anymore. There was a large metal framework blocking my way, preventing any more movement. Undeterred, undeterred I turned to push back the way I'd come in only to discover that way out was barred too. So I found myself in a tiny area, just big enough to stand up and not able to go forwards or backwards. I was probably stuck in there only about ten minutes, but it seemed like an eternity while I waited in that small gap for my now frantic mother to find someone who had a set of keys to open the door and let me out. I have never been traumatised by it. That's beautiful oh, from good. Phil. That's a lovely story of Phil getting stuck in a, in a revolving door. And yes, it, 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 it is a, a simple pleasure ruined by a, a, an overbearing bureaucracy these days. Uh, that's going to be the last one until I give you Neil in Tokyo. Oh, OK. Just to let you know, and this is as topical as we ever get. Just to let you know, Japanese toilet rolls have the printing on the outside rather than the inside, so you can't check the secret message until the roll is finished. Here, I give you in full, is the secret message from the recently finished roll in our house in Tokyo. Thank you, Neil. There's a lot of Japanese writing there, and it says, Meidu arigatou gozimasu, which, and then it says 020229A. I'll let you know this. The Japanese writing says, Thank you every time. The second part is where the secret really lies. 020229A. Now, I may have, uh, uh, I may have uh, called down quarantine on the entire Tokyo area there, but again, that had an intriguing... One, two, three, oh, we're ended. Four, three, Climb up, go in, let's cozy down. Wave goodbye to that silly frown as we chase our cares away. The fire's on, it's warm inside We guarantee you'll be satisfied As we laugh the day away In the treehouse Take it away, Daddy! Always do there, Wisby. Uh, on the other side of the table, of course, Louise, Napoleon, Pepper, and through there, Phil Wilding and Josh, on behalf of uh, something else who are good enough to give us this platform. Uh, you wouldn't know it, but they've been coming in on a wing and a prayer and fumes alone. Nothing to do with them. It should be a rickety old one <laughs> in, ter in terms of quality one way or the other. But we'll see you again on Saturday. Oh, wait, the microphone on the way up. Perfect. Perfect. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.
it. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.